Danger Mouse is Brian Burton, a musical auteur and producer extraordinaire. Brian has etched out his place in music by creating symbiotic relationships with juxtaposing music style and genre. Danger Mouse has created an abundance of seminal music involving artists such as Jay-Z, Beck and CeeLo Green. You're tuned into Roots to Grooves. Welcome, guys. It is Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse. Sitting across from me is Jay Purcell. Outside the window is Seattle, Washington, our lovely community where we live and learn. Uh, how are you doing, Jay? Pretty good. How are you doing? Just drinking some high-quality H2O to start my day. Uh, yeah, we're, we're sort of trying all the beverages. I just want to point out, um, I bought uh, Liquid Death for the first time today. Water Wars. Which is a bit ridiculous. But this was actually cheaper than uh, the other water options that they had there. Really? So I was like, okay, let me do this. I've seen the Steve-O from Jackass. <laughs> he has his podcast. They're always drinking Liquid Death. I think it's kind of a weird concept. Although drinking it, make you maybe stop drinking as much alcohol because you, it feels mm -hmm. like you have a can. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why they did that with the design as well. I don't know. This is not a paid sponsorship. They should pay us. Yeah, we're not yeah. sponsored by anybody. We bring you this value for free because we are here to learn. But what uh, is what? I just want to ask what you're oh, drinking. Well, we're, we're doing Water Wars. <laughs> this is, I found this recently. It sounds very familiar <clears throat> to me, which is why it stood out to me. Topo Chico. I've seen the bottle before. It looks like a cool like Italian thing. It, it is. Um, it's exactly what it is. It's nice carbonated water. It's carbonated with a twist. Mineral water. Is it is there calories in that? It said though? twisted grapefruit, but I don't really taste that, and I know grapefruit's pretty bitter. Yeah. Any uh, calories though in that? No, I think it's straight up just water. Okay. Serving size one bottle, calories zero. There you go. There's nothing in that. Very good. And then finally, we have uh, the <laughs> not sponsored by the Colshan Brewing Company out of Bellingham, Washington. Yes, I just had um, tried this for the first yeah. time up in Bellingham. Yeah. Uh, visiting some family and it was pretty good. Yeah. Saw it down at the Konenstein. Right. Yeah. It was, oh my God. We just got to help all these companies like that. Because <laughs> we, uh, we, by the way, people, we bring this up, these episodes to you completely for free. We're, we're not paid for right. any of this. And, uh, but we're here because we're musicians and we like to pick a different artist each week and talk about their music, their career, their beginnings, their mindsets. Whether they wear boxers or briefs. Yeah. What they like to eat for breakfast in the morning. Um, no. Yeah. Nails. <laughs> Sometimes. But like, yeah, because I think, you know, maybe this is insp in inspiring or inspiring, inspirational for people that are just listeners of music. But mm -hmm. I think especially like for music makers, right? This is yeah. kind of our impetus to sort of learn yes. from these artists and everything like that. Yeah. Yes. For those at the precipice of creation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, so we're, it's long form conversation. Yeah. So thanks for your patience. Thanks for being here. Um, we're talking about Danger Mouse. Yes. Brian Burton. Brian Burton. So this is going to, this is a, I think we got a slow, kind of slow start to this episode. I think it's going to be a beastly oh, yeah. episode. We started with this track at the beginning. Um, Revenge. That, that we opened up with Revenge, which is a Danger Mouse produced 
track with Sparkle Horse and mm-hmm. also, oh, I'm sorry, I just had it pulled up. Uh, who's the guy on it? It's the guy from the Flaming Lips. What's his name? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's Wayne Cone or something. Oh, okay, right. Cone yeah. Wayne or Wayne Cone. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. That's off my memory. So, because yeah. I'm bad at taking notes. But very yeah. cool song. That's the first song off of an album that came out in 2010, Dark Night of the Soul. Yeah. Which I really like that album. I think it's very high production value. I've heard of it. I never listened to it. I heard of Sparkle Horse from years ago. And yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah. Sparkle Horse is a close contributor. Um, or, you know, he makes music with Danger Mouse, Brian Burton. Mm-hmm. And then this album has just a ton of notable vocalists and artists yeah. featured on it. Okay, It's cool. a very heavy hitting album. It's very good. Yeah. That, that was the first track off the album. So it's kind of a slow, really tender track. Right. But as you can see, it builds up even at the end. There's the crazy drum breaks and stuff. Sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really... 2010. I was just out. like, I almost regretted starting with that track because it's kind of, <laughs> kind of a slow burner. But it's very tender and very good, and I wanted to highlight Brian Burton's, you know, production of abilities. Yeah. Because he can make these things sound very tender and very grandiose. A lot of energy packed into these great tracks. Well, rem- let's remember this because this touches on something that I found out about. Uh, we'll talk about that later on. Put a pin in that. Show. Put a pin in that. Um, but yeah, Danger Mouse, Brian Burton. He is a prolific producer. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say producer um yeah generally like he he's done everything i mean do we want to reel off some names right now uh i mean yeah this guy's head. worked with CeeLo green yeah now it's your turn oh gorillas the shins uh adele <laughs> sure? Are we gonna <laughs> I, just I'm, keep I'm, going? I'm just gonna like pluck random <laughs> names that, uh yeah um da, 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 jay-z indirectly but we'll talk about that oh okay yeah. okay uh, but direct, no, we're talking about direct. I think uh, they were in contact. Producer right? uh, Beck. Oh, that was my next one. Okay, <laughs> Portugal the man. Portugal the man. Oh, okay, Electric Guest. We hey, did an these, episode these, a few weeks ago. All of this is coming together. Actually, Asa Tacone from Electric Guest worked on a helped work on "Feel It Still" by Portugal the Man. Oh, which came off an album that Brian Burton worked on. Interesting. Woodstock. Okay. Um. So I mean, I mean, this guy's everywhere. Parquet courts. Keep it going. Keep it going. Who else we got? <laughs> da, 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 da. MF Doom. MF Doom. I mean, come on. So Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sorry, uh, like, seriously, it's Nora crazy. Jones. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. He's got such a back catalog of diverse uh, artists that he's produced for. Like, Instead of like reaching yeah. in a, like a toolbox of like tools. Yeah. Or, or like musical instruments. His, his yeah. toolbox is literally all the other artists that he likes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want you on my album. I want all 10 of you on different tracks on my album. Yeah. Like he's just, he's a beastly producer. Yeah. He's worked on many tracks. And it's funny. Many projects. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, so musically, sonically, um, there is a thread, which is interesting let's, to me. Let's, let's touch yeah. on that for a second. Yeah. His sound. Yeah. Like, so I get it. It's kind of, <clears throat> he comes from a kind of a hip hop background. Yeah. Um, he did move to England to be a trip hop producer at one point. Right. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Take it from there. I'm, yeah. I, I know him starting from a trip hop kind of hip hop vibe. Yeah, definitely. Sample based hip hop stuff. Um, he doesn't consider himself uh, a little bit of imposter syndrome. He doesn't really consider himself much of a, well, he is a musician, but he like, mm-hmm. he can't read or write music. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he came from the sampling realm kind of thing. He spent about six, maybe more or so years in that world of crafting uh, sampling-based music mm. before he really became known for anything to the public or released anything. Right. So he took that sort of time to do stuff. But like sonically, like I feel like if you listen to all of his contributions across all of these artists, from Adele to Beck to mm -hmm. Chili Peppers, you can hear his stamp on it. And the best way I could describe his sound is uh, warm, soul, funky, hip-hoppy, emotive. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you've heard the opening track, people, and you heard the album Demon Days from Gorillaz, you're basically... It's funny. He's like he's not the same all the time, but like just but he has definitely a unique style that you can tell it's him, right? Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, and I want to touch on that for one second because I I came across this um, during the interviews and stuff I was reading, and he was Brian Burton was describing the way that I think he was asked like, "Who are your influences? Like, who do you want to who do you want to be like? What like what are you trying to create? What do you want to be?" Mm -hmm. And and he was like, "There's there's nobody in the music industry who has a career that I want." that yeah. I want to base my career off. Yeah. Um, nobody has the career that I want, so I have to create something for myself. Right. And he, he linked it to like being a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I came across this word, an auteur. I, I think it's pronounced auteur. I'm going to play it. Auteur. Yeah. Auteur. Auteur. Yeah. Um, which is cool. And this, is, this describes, I'll, I'll read the definition. It's a filmmaker who, whose personal influence and artistic control in a movie specifically are so great that the filmmaker is regarded as the author of the movie. Right. So very interesting. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of producers that end up doing that. Like just, they have their stamp on all of the scenes and the colors and the symmetry and the cinematography. Yeah. And they have so much of their stamp on it yeah. that it's kind of like their movie. Like it, people say it's almost like they wrote it, mm -hmm. even though there's different writers and components to this, but, but the general population of people, the audience, see it as like oh wow he did that yeah that director did that so brian burton's linking that idea and he wants to do that idea with music yeah so he's working with a different artist producing for this different artist and instead of just helping him like oh yeah I'll, let me I'll, I'll mix your track when you're done with your song yeah he's like oh i'm gonna help you let's let's push it this in this direction i want to move this over here and try this and so he has his hands on all the aspects of the track yeah. To the point where you could really feel Brian Burton's presence. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people would say, like, as a producer, you don't want to have people be able to understand who the producer was just by listening to it. I think there's like different types of producers, though, right? Right, right. Um, at least off the top of my head, I can tell that there's, uh, you know, there is the modern sense of a producer where they're like actually like manning the computer and beat making beat makers producers they call themselves producers there's there is the rick rubin kind where they're there more for like kind of more a spiritual guy spiritual like ideas even like, like metallica e has, uh, yeah yeah uh, people that come a lot of those old rock bands used to have people sepultura and like would have a producer come in Ross Robinson was one guy that did a lot of corn stuff that I know mm. of. He did a lot of those rock albums, and I couldn't really say that he had a stamp of a sound on it, but he was definitely there helping, like, craft the sound, give mm -hmm. feedback, suggesting techniques, uh, strong structure, type right. of stuff. And then you got, like, um, Brian Burton, Danger Mouse, who's 
probably a little bit more like in the earlier category that I mentioned of like beat maker producer because mm-hmm. he's very hands on. Um, right. Even it sounds like on the Red Hot Chili Peppers album, which we can, I don't know if we want to talk about that yet, but like we're not yeah, there yet. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, yeah. So no, totally. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just in this, we're just talking overview right now. This guy's won, like I think he's been gr- nominated for like twenty two Grammys, and he's won six. Wow. He's been nominated for like best artist and stuff. Um, Esquire mm-hmm. magazine named him one of the 75th most influential people of the 21st century even. Right. So that's pretty huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Producer of the year category. He won that in 2011. Yeah. Um, so there's just some of his accolades and accomplishments. Yeah. To say that he's won awards. You know, he's worked with some of the biggest artists. He's worked with a, a wide range of various artists of different genres. Yeah. Um, he's been at it for over two decades. Um, you know, he's basically seeing a lot of success mm-hmm. and he's just a very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of, lot of great music coming from Brian Burton, Danger Mouse. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. This is a J pick. Yeah. Cause, uh, because we've mentioned Damon Albarn a lot. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, mentioned Danger Mouse, maybe not a lot, but definitely on the electric guest episode. Yeah. And also, I, I've been kind of a little bit strategic on my picks lately uh, because we've, we're have we so close to recording these to release now mm-hmm. um, that I was like looking to see who has stuff coming out. And Danger Mouse has some stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Maybe soon, a new Broken Bells album. Um, he's been quiet during COVID. He hasn't mm-hmm. done much for the last couple of years, but a new Broken Bells album, which is coming out in the next couple of months or something like that. It's under yeah. wraps right now. I'm hyped. But... Uh, yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, we just talked about him. Let's, let's see what this guy's about. Yeah, so, no, it was yeah. perfect timing. Yeah. Great artist. I, I was going to make a joke about it at the beginning because we usually don't talk about artists that are this big. I, I think I've said previously Richard Ashcroft was our biggest artist. Yeah. And, and this is up there. I think even though well, a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say a lot of people know Brian Burton's name. That's the thing. I don't think a lot of people know and, of Danger Mouse or like even though he's done a lot of big stuff. Right. Most Adele fans probably don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. He did like one track on her album Twenty Five, but I don't. He'd be like an obscure, oh, yeah, who's Danger Mouse, exactly. On Adele's yeah. album, right, yeah. and that album I was looking, they have like so many other producers on all that on different tracks mm-hmm. on the album. But yeah, but just so. a testament to his his skills yeah. and ability because I was thinking about on my way here. Yeah. I think everybody in my life, I could ask them and they they wouldn't know Danger Mouse or Brian Burton maybe, yeah. but they would definitely know at least one of his tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Like of all walks of life, all they the people that I know. It. Yeah, because he's crossed different genres whilst maintaining his sound, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. So very impressive. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be fun to talk about this guy. So I think anything else for our general overview section? That's good. I was like, oh, what, what, what song are we going to play now, though? Because uh, we, uh, we, we had a lot. We had a lot. And my next one was like kind of an early thing, his very first release. Should we just put, it. spin that? Let's do it. Some um, early Brian Burton. I'll play this. We'll tell you about what this is in a second.
that was the chilling effects or from the chilling effects original motion picture score track called over from the start by an artist called pelican city mm -hmm. <clears throat> which is brian burton danger mouse's first pseudonym he uh put out this album and it, he says a original motion picture score but it was an imaginary movie that didn't get made he uh touches on his kind of approach of making music where he uh you know wanted to create a movie in in, in sound kind of thing and he put mm -hmm. this out this is very early on this was 1999 this came out yeah you could probably consider this his first official release because i don't know if he was really doing any um i mean in 99 soundcloud didn't exist i don't think yeah so no as, as yeah. far as i know yeah as far as i know that's so, straight uh, up yeah and he's not really a big internet person which will like he's a pretty chill the, person we haven't really said that he's a chill person yeah. he's a pretty conservative yeah low-key quiet generally person and he, he seems very nice yeah you know he seems very intelligent very chill very down to earth which is i think maybe a big uh good trait to have if you're going to collaborate with a lot of people yeah he's not um, yeah mr like bombastic energy yeah, like, exactly. it has to be this way my way or the highway exactly yeah <laughs> you know he's, he's he knows how to kind of switch his vibe and work with different people yeah so yeah. um what is that fluid he's uh maybe know, some kind of fluid it's fluidity yeah know i don't know he's a, he doesn't seem to like he doesn't strike me as someone that would change to cater for someone he just strikes me as but, someone as himself but he's very sort of no that's true that you're probably open, more right open and that, like, that sounds yeah. more accurate for yeah. brian burton yeah, yeah listen to jay everybody <laughs> um yeah, so awesome. Let's get into this guy. Let's go back to his early life. Yeah. Let's let's hop in our time machine and mm, we're going to New York. I know I was trying to think I just did a little sound effect. Mm. Should have a Twilight Zone. I yes. don't know. I don't know what that is. Yes. Some kind of sound yeah, effect yeah, for our yeah, time yeah. machine. We're okay. flying to New York. Right. We are in White Plains, New York. Right. And Brian Joseph Burton is born. Yes. Um, he also spent much of his childhood in Spring Valley, New York. Neither of these places I really know about. I have heard of White Plains. It's kind of like it's out there. It's not in the, in the middle of the city, right? It's, it's uptown like, New York. Is it uptown? Okay. Or upstate. Upstate. Upstate New York, yeah. I think. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't, I've never been over there, so I don't know. Yeah. That's what it says on the internet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, uh, Spring Valley. Yeah. Uh, I don't know too much about his super early childhood. I don't have any more notes on this stuff. But eventually he moved yeah. to Stone Mountain, Georgia. Yeah. Um, which is a suburb of Atlanta. Yeah. And I think he was pretty young when he was there. He was definitely a teenager when he was in Atlanta. So I'm Yeah, and he went sure. to high school there. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so he we went to yeah. Stone Mountain High School in Georgia. Right, yeah. Uh, Redan High School. Yeah. Or Redan. I don't know how to pronounce anything. Then he uh, eventually um, went to Athens, Georgia, right? Not Athens, Greece. Not Athens, Greece. Athens, Georgia. He pursued a degree in telemic oh my god, telecommunications <laughs> at the University of Georgia. He had a scholarship for that. That's, Good for that's him. What we know about that. We well, thank you, Wikipedia. We'll we, we'll. we'll be expanding beyond the basic Wikipedia facts. Like, <laughs> just, we we got to get this. It's, we got to get this out. Like, it's um, the same info in all the interviews and stuff. <laughs> if we find it elsewhere, whatever. And he doesn't really talk much about his 
childhood. Yeah, he's not like a big anecdotal person telling you what's going on, like blabbermouth. He's he's like we said, conservative, and he's just cool, calm, collected. Well, there is there is only one thing I know about his childhood, and it is this. There you go. The uh, 1980s, I think, British cartoon series, Danger Mouse, which Brian Burton used to watch when he was a kid, and I used to watch it as a kid as well. So we have something in common. Oh, there you go. Because I used to love this show, and he did as well. So um, I never saw that. Yeah, it was. On, I used to be yeah, five was years it? old. It would be on TV in the UK, and I'd be like, after, if I had, had a day off school, I was sick or whatever, I'd be like, yeah. Sick. Sick, yeah. Was... Um, oh, we're using scare quotes there for the audio people, for yeah, the podcast people. Go, yeah. We sometimes we get, we spoil the people on the video. Yeah, but we love silence. We're mainly here for the audio people. Okay, <laughs> yes, purely yeah. podcast people. You're our favorite, right? But we like the video people too. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me just touch on this. When he's at the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. he was a DJ for the university radio station. And he was like a radio station, you know, disc jockey yeah. for W U O G F M. So obviously he's into music and he's getting more and more into music as he goes through like his teens yeah. and into his, his early adulthood. Yeah. Um, and then kind of, yeah, looping back around to Danger Mouse, this is where he got his name. So from like 1998 to 2003, um, he'd been releasing some remix CDs and records under the stage name Danger Mouse. Mm-hmm. And he was performing also and one thing he would do he was kind of shy so he would dress up as danger mouse or a mouse outfit right just generally and called himself danger mouse <laughs> and that was his like his stage persona type thing yeah um oh, what's that other guy dj that has the big head Is oh it? dead mouse dead mouse okay all right yeah there we go so i don't yeah but he came <laughs> second right brian Burton was first i, uh, I think i'm not sure yeah let us know. Let us know. Ah, these questions come up. Drop and, it in the comments. Um, for real, we'd love to see that. That's interesting. Yeah, he said like, because he, well, yeah, he was in college and he was starting to mess around with music and he DJed because he said it was the only way to make money out of music. Mm-hmm. And he said at the time there was a DJ that he really kind of was into called DJ Smurf. Mm-hmm. And so when he was thinking of a name for himself, he just went straight to cartoon like Smurfs, and it was like Danger Mouse, and he said he never thought it would stick, but there you go. And two two <laughs> decades go. later, yeah. Um, so yeah, and that yeah, he said he never really got the humor of that cartoon because it's like British humor when he was uh-huh. a kid, and he said he still doesn't really get it now as an adult. But <laughs> I did, I got it, I loved it. It was if you don't know, it it was basically like a bumbling. It was like a mouse that, that I think lived in a post office box i might be thinking about something else right now and he had this little uh sidekick called penfold mm. and penfold. Uh, and uh he it was just kind of like a spy he was like like solving a, like spy a discuss- shit. Dis- yeah 
I can't even uh, speak right now. A detective? Like a kind of a detective slash spy. He's like a Sherlock mouse. Yeah. Penfold, I think, was like a little mole looking character. Sounds like... It was co- funny, though. I used to love it. good. It was like short, snappy, fun. Yeah. Like a little um, half hour cartoon? Yeah. Even less than that, maybe. I think like 20 minutes <laughs> or something. I don't know. With yeah. all those ads? Yeah. So that's great, though. Yeah. yeah. Check that out. I think Jay put up a picture of Danger Mouse on I the video. I put up that video up, yeah. So yeah, that's dope. Yeah. That's some high production value, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, we're kind of jumping around here because we're not going super narrative because this guy has too much to talk about, basically. So we're going to, we're kind of going over a little bit. Um, but we're talking about the kind of early, early 2000s, mm-hmm. late 90s, basically. So he's, um, da, 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 da. He, so he, he releases this music. It's basically trip hop ish the pelican city like the chilling effect in yeah, 1999 yeah. yeah rhode island in 2000 yeah um da, 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 da. and it is a bit you can tell he's early on in his career like musically mm-hmm. in this but it's still very good but you can and there's something about it you can tell it's sort of fresh. especially coming from later stuff that yeah, you know yeah, danger yeah. mouse worked on and looking back at that right 100 you could see where he came from yeah, yeah and it's very cool so i do recommend listening to these early albums yeah yeah. Um, just for the historic, definitely yeah. um, reasons, but the music yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, and then and then he was at college. He was DJing, playing out. He, and then so the Grey album, right? Like we're, <laughs> we we're, we're about this. Let me just finish. I my mean, thought is there on, anything else? In, no, like, I was, the okay. last thought I was going to yeah. say was he released this Pelican City stuff and yeah. those like albums. He was still he was a student as well. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So I think we're caught up. He's back. He's in college in Georgia. Yes. Yes. And then, uh, oh, then take it away, Jay. Yeah. And then, so the way he puts this, he was just in his room cleaning it out. And I think he was listening to Jay Z's album. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the album called? The Black Album? The Black Album. The Black yeah. Album, yeah. And, uh, and he decided, and then he's somehow like, I don't know if he was listening to that or was he listening to the Beatles White album? He was listening to one of those albums when he was cleaning his room. But he had the idea of like combining those two albums together. And he just basically decided to do it. Um, He spent about three days. He said his technique was he went through both albums, every song, and he was finding uh, like chops out of the song. So out of the Beatles one, he was like finding like drum beats that didn't have any vocals on it, Mm -hmm. like isolated like moments. Kind of like Jay Diller style, you know, like finding those like... Moments that might be like half a second, but like you can use them sort of thing. It's a clear kick drum or something yeah, you can yeah. take out. So he was taking all of these. He f- like methodically like chopped them out of all every song of both albums, fold, put them in a like file system kind of thing, and then he like started trying to like make beats by combining all of these like chops that he had. So for thing. people who yeah. don't know what we're talking about, yeah. Jay Z had an album called The Black Album, right? The Beatles had an album called the, it was self-titled, but it's known as the White Album. Right. And Brian Burton, known as Danger Mouse, mixed the two up. And, and called it. The Grey Album. The Grey Album, yeah. The Black Album, the White Album, <clears throat> he made the Grey Album. Yeah. So it's all Jay-Z's vocals. Yeah. And it's all Beatles music from the White Album, which is a, a double LP yeah. from the 60s. Um, it's really, a really sporadic album which is really good it's probably my one of my favorite beatles albums <laughs> this uh, oh the white album not the, the white album. yeah not the gray <laughs> album the gray albums it's fine yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting to listen to 
Um, yeah. But I, I don't I don't put that on to like enjoy music. What are some hits from the White Album that I might know of? Um, like, I mean, like Helter Skelter. Mm, okay. Um, Sexy Sadie. Was this Dear Prudence? On, on the Beatles newbie. This is sh- terrible. <laughs> like, where in, the, a, in their career was this album? Like, was it, it later? Later. Later, okay. Towards the later side for okay. sure. All right. Like late, like 67 or something. Okay. I'm st- I think. Okay. Yeah. 60, yeah. Th- I would say I almost confidently 67, but that's just off the top okay. of my yeah. head. Yeah. But very cool. So he mixed yeah. it's all Jay Z's vocals over these chopped yeah. up reconfigurations of these samples from the White Album. Yeah. And it's the Gray Album. And so I think, and he wasn't even really doing this to release it. Like he, uh, yeah, he was just doing it as a challenge. He said he always used to do these challenges all the mm-hmm. time. And this is another one of his challenges, and he pressed up quite a few CDs there. I think I heard some news reports say maybe a thousand copies or something like that. Right. Gave it all, gave them all out for free to his friends and his friends' friends. But like, right. yeah, yeah, piggybacking off of what you just said, yeah. I I think he he was almost more interested in creating this to show off his skills as a producer right. to other producers. Which worked, which yeah. we'll talk about in a sec. Yeah, no, but, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like, I want to do something artistic and show the world. Yeah. It was more like almost like a resume type thing. Right. Like, here I am. I, I know I could do these cool skills. I got these skills. Yeah. I got to show everybody what I can do. Yeah. And that's just what he did. Released it. It's, it's um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really say it at the beginning, but... Br- Brian Burton and Danger Mouse, he's kind of got like this legendary status. Because of this? Because of this. And then Dark Knight of the Soul had some, I think, issues being released as well. But just Mm. based on the people he's worked with and like the lore of this album, working with these two huge artists, Jay-Z and the Beatles, doing something that people were unsure, is is this legal? Like, does this work? Is this okay to release? Well, let's give people a little taster of this. Let's give a little taster. Probably won't make it through... The YouTube censors because of Beatles copyright police. But Sorry, guys. We'll see. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. the gray album from danger mouse public service announcement beatles jay-z mashup i don't know what jay-z song that was but that song i could recognize it's long 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 off the second half of the white album okay the beatles track it's uh i think george harrison sings that one yeah this is is just like an interesting thing but yeah it's not officially out there but it's on soundcloud and Mm -hmm. various places you can find it you can find it just with a quick google search um but yeah, it'd be interesting to, I never really sort of dove into listening to this. I heard about it when it, not long after it came out or maybe not when it came, but you know, in lore, in the, right. what do they call it? Urban legend lore or yeah. whatever. Like, <laughs> no, it has that kind yeah. of vibe to it Yeah, in the zeitgeist of the music industry, which yeah. is cool. For me personally, I'd still rather listen to the Black Album mm. by itself or the White Album by itself. And yeah. the the Grey Album, it's for me, it just, it's, 
in my head is like more of a novelty like yeah yeah you know oh look at this that's cool and if you want to go in there and dive into that world like we just listened to that track and it was really fun to listen to yeah and it's interesting and intriguing and it gives you a different idea i think that's what i was going to say it's like if you haven't heard of those albums, it's like a good way to go listen to both of those albums separately mm-hmm. and then listen to this. Yeah. Because this is kind of like a celebration of both albums in a way. Yeah, I would like, yeah. highly recommend doing that. Mixtape style, yeah. 100%. Um, so, and so this Grey album kind of put Brian Burton on the map, so to speak. Yeah, it got put on the internet. Someone uploaded it or maybe it, more it leaked, than one person. Right? Yeah, because he did do CDs and someone uploaded it. Uh and you know it got it blew up like at that time it became like a viral underground album for people to check out yeah and then because it got so it kind of like leaked into the mainstream that this thing was out there then obviously like the official lawyers had to sort of like uh try and block it so i think like it was it wasn't jay-z's people because here's the interesting thing jay-z coming from hip-hop encouraged sampling Mm -hmm. and he released the full length acapellas for every song on oh. the black album and that so and, those were already out there yeah and i think that's what gave uh, brian burton danger mouse the idea to do this because someone had sent him the acapellas gotcha and he was like oh okay um and yeah and so like this one news report i saw from the uk that came out around that time they they mentioned that the uh uh jay-z kind of encouraged the use of people sampling it because he released the acapellas mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. um beatles not so happy about it although it's not actually the one thing that was interesting they said is neither jay-z himself or any of the surviving beatles members at that time ever publicly said anything about the gray album i i was under um, the impression that both parties okayed the project they did even if it was after uh, well uh, the way people say it is like a, a silent kind of acknowledgement by them not saying anything out publicly, they're kind of making a statement it. by not saying anything. Yeah, but then of course, obviously, the the label people have to be label people, and there is copyright law and all that. And so there was this movement. I think like they called it Grey Tuesday or whatever. All these fans to like promote this album because it was as like a protest against copyright law. Mm. So basically, their argument was that copyright law stifles. Um, creativity and innovation if if you're blocking people from being able to do what like danger mouse did in this sampling kind of way i don't know here's the thing i feel like i feel like copyright law is a necessary thing otherwise musicians and artists wouldn't get paid right but at the same time i was like yeah well maybe they should be a little bit more flexible in in allowing their stuff to be used i know beatles are notorious because they have this like really expensive back catalog that they're trying to protect and make mm-hmm. a lot of money out of like and also you know, generally people don't sample the beatles because of that because they're big and scary and have too much money and lawyers and shit like that and you know is that because that's what de- happened to danger Mouse. he got a cease and desist letter from emi oh is that right yeah who control this stuff and he said he called them up like he got this letter and he just called them on the phone and he like explained the situation right what he was doing like how he wasn't making money out of it and stuff like that and so i think i think it really went beyond the cease and desist mm-hmm. like and they haven't really sort of actively gone to shut it down because like you can still find it now you know it's so. it's an interesting thing and i think generally that's why we ended up talking about it now because 
it kind of happened and mm-hmm. the music's out there, but it wasn't officially released mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of okay with it, but not enough to fully release it and have not to have it on Spotify. Not put Danger or, Mouse's name on it and yeah. be like, this is my music. Right. You know, so it's, it's a weird situation. Which is fine because I think it's underground, it's out there. And, and the main thing mm-hmm. of this is it really put Brian Burt and Danger Mouse on the map with other artists and other musicians which yeah. started to lead to him to have this career as a producer. Pretty much. I mean, Damon Albarn had heard only the Grey album and on the basis of that wanted to meet Danger Mouse. Yeah. Because sort of, apparently Damon Albarn was trying out different producers for the second Gorillaz album and he'd heard the Grey album, got Brian in to the studio and they, and they turned out to get along really well and make music really well. <laughs> and then the second Gorillaz album happened. Demon Days. Of, yeah, Demon Days off of the back of this. Um, and various other people. I think like everyone that he's collaborated with since, like a lot of them first heard of him because of this. Right. Like viral underground, like, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so, so this was kind yeah. of the moment for Danger Mouse. This is what blew him up. This, yeah. You, you very, like, sometimes with artists, we don't know what it was. Uh, There's no significant point. Yeah, but with this, it's very clear. It's a clear yeah. catalyst. Yeah. Catalytic, catalytic. <laughs> I don't know. A catal- catalytic event. But separately of this, though, there was the moment that he uh, first met CeeLo, right? Oh yeah, so CeeLo. And I think I'm not sure, like timeline-wise, like there's this story out there apparently that hit, that uh, Brian Burton. I'm gonna say Brian Burton, Danger Mouse, or should I just say? It's Danger anonymous Mouse? either okay. way. Either <laughs> way. <laughs> there's this moment where Brian went up to CeeLo like he it was some show that I think he'd a talent show that he'd had the opportunity to perform at I'm not sure as a DJ or whatever mm-hmm. but then CeeLo was there with his group right with his group which is I forget the name with of the goodies or something like that yeah something. and Outcast was mm-hmm. there as well right and apparently he said he went up to CeeLo because he'd been listening he grew up I think he's from Atlanta. Right? Yeah, yeah. CeeLo. Yeah, I think so. And he was a fan of their group. Yeah, a fan of the group, listened as a teenager to this music, went up to him and approached him. Uh, but apparently CeeLo says that he does, hasn't have any memory of this incident happening. So Really? So, yeah. Oh, no, I did read that. <laughs> yeah. I did read that and I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it either didn't happen or it was high. It was like, didn't remember. I don't know. <laughs> I don't uh, know if he gets high. It was the know. Goody Mob. Goody Mob, right. Goody okay. Mob was the band name. I don't know too much about... That's the interesting thing, because when Niles... I think the first time I heard of Danger Mouse was in the UK, because Niles Barkley came out. They had that song, Crazy. Yeah. Came out. Super huge there. It was yeah. like number one forever. They actually... I found this out today. It was the first ever UK single to get to number one off of downloads only. Oh, wow. Like, not retail sales but that's like cool. itunes paid downloads that's when that was happening like yeah mid 2000s it was yeah getting yeah. real yeah hot and so that's when i first heard of danger because he was on stage with uh uh CeeLo performing yeah. all the tv shows performing the song kind of thing okay and they, and they were, their whole image when they rolled out it was both of them like it wasn't just CeeLo. it was it, but it was it like was a production duo production duo and they did all these photo shoots i think they even did some funny recreations of like movie scenes like pulp fiction and oh nice uh uh napoleon dynamite and stuff like that okay they they did all this uh, and they said the reason they did that is because they didn't brian said 
they Napoleon didn't, Dynamite. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's <laughs> Danger Mouse is dressed as Napoleon Dynamite. And, okay, I gotta and, see that. And uh, CeeLo is like the the was it Pedro? Yeah, or Pedro. Like, yeah, he's dressed, for Pedro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like dressed up in this in these photo shoots. And Brian said it was like, you know, it's fun. And also, like they were like thinking about the image for like Noah's Barkley, and and they were like they didn't want to like dress up in a certain way and be and try and like people to like think they're a certain thing because they're wearing certain fashion and all that so instead they just went crazy and they drew dressed up as like movie characters and all kinds of crazy shit and like even it, at it live works, shows yeah. and all that yeah i mean yeah and i don't know CeeLo green he's always he's pretty bombastic with his outfits and pretty stand out yeah. yeah so i don't know they kind of leaned into that i saw him at jazz fest by the way I want to say, and he played crazy. Oh, right. I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. It's classic. He was trying to get sing along happening. No one was singing along. Really? I feel bad. I was like, don't people know this song here? What's, what is this? It's interesting. I, don't know. I just always, I always, always like the South Park joke. And I yeah. don't know why CeeLo Green was a character in one episode. Really? I don't know. Like 10 years ago or something. And there's like an audience. I think he was performing and the audience is like, CeeLo, don't leave. We we love your one song or something. <laughs> yeah. Or no, they said we love all your song. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> like it's like it feels like they're gonna say we love all your songs. Like, yeah, keep yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he says just the singular. We love all your song, <laughs> implying that crazy is his one hit wonder yeah, type yeah. thing. I, I always think that's funny. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. He's a, he's CeeLo's out there doing his thing. He's on American Idol or what? I don't know. Yeah, that threw me for a loop. I was like, I guess he was like. He was like mainstream in the UK, but I didn't, I don't really know where he came from. See, like when I think that was what I was trying to say, like you mentioned Goody Mob. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about them. So I didn't really know where CeeLo Green came from or, you know, all of a sudden he was just like there, number one in UK and like That's really good, thought. really good soul singer. And I was like, where'd this guy come from? He came from uh, Danger Mouse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. think that's what we're saying basically. Yeah. But yeah, cool. So I, I guess let's kind of move on. Yeah. Um, what else is he working on? So he does... Gorillas, Demon Days, great album. I mean, that, yeah. and we we had that on the list to play. Feel Good Inc. So I guess like the three like big projects after the Gray album, right? Was um, Demon Days, Gorillas, not in this order. I'm not saying this in order. I think um, Ghetto Pop Life was first actually, which was a album he did with Gemini, the Gifted One, who I think is a rapper out of somewhere. I don't know too much about him. This is a Danger Mouse episode. I didn't look him up. Mm -hmm. uh, so Get A Pop Life was like the first big thing. Then the Gorillaz Demon Days. And then I think Niles Barkley sent elsewhere. Like, and those are like three really strong, like, yeah, I mean, things, you know, coming straight out there, you know. Like he's, he's at this point, he's not exactly a tried and true producer, but he, he's still he's, figuring he's getting to that in. level. Yeah. And at, at this point, after these three projects, he has huge projects under his belt and like, he has he has a little bit of bravado around him because i think he might have met CeeLo before really diving into the gorillas project i think oh yeah um but they didn't complete any work until after or they didn't it didn't get released until after the gorillas album but i say some bravado because if he went up to CeeLo and he was like uh, you know, I'm gonna work. It would be cool to work with you, sort of thing. I'm not sure exactly how he said it. And CeeLo was like, "Oh yeah, we should, we should do a track. We get in the studio." And then Brian was like, "I don't do single tracks. Like, I only do like <laughs> albums." <laughs> and then CeeLo was like, 
all right, yeah, we'll do an whole album. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, that's the story out there. That's so funny. Um, And then, yeah, he would just, uh, Danger Mouse was like putting together all of these demos and and then uh, sending them to CeeLo and then they'd have a lot of conversations with each other in the studio whilst listening to this music and a lot of the lyrics came out of their (laughs) conversations, apparently. Like, so... (laughs) <laughs> and they're talking about all kinds of different things. I think it's stuff. funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so we've we've gotten to the point. He's he's at this peak. He's doing the best work that he's done ever. Brian Burton, we're talking about. Um, 2008, he worked on Beck's Modern Guilt. Mm-hmm. I don't think we, we don't want to. I don't want to talk about all this stuff. I don't know. Sure. We yeah, could yeah. talk about Brian Burton all day. Yeah. Um, he worked with the Black Keys a lot. He did four albums with them: uh, Attack and Release, Brothers, El Camino, and Turn Blue. Yeah. And I think he had a big hand in the um, the Black Keys because they were always kind of like kind of bluesy and kind of garagey. It uh, seems like because I once they started working with Brian Burton, they they popped off and now they're playing arenas and stuff. See, I didn't even know that Hit Danger Mouse had produced El Camino, for example. Yeah, but I know like there are a couple of these like uh, yeah Black Keys albums that are like big and got them on the map. Right, I, I thought it was just them. I didn't know that. That's what I'm saying. Pe- Danger like, Mouse was part. Danger of it. Mouse is yeah. up in these people's business, yeah. <laughs> like helping them achieve their goals. Yeah. And audience members that just hear the Black Keys, just think like, "Oh, the Black Keys are killing it." A new single out, nice. Yeah, like, "Oh, they're on tour and playing arenas. Good for the Black Keys." But I think Danger Mouse had a pretty big part in that. It's interesting. He takes like different roles, right? Because with Niles Barkley, it's a collaboration, and he's on stage, and he's part of the image right then you know obviously gorillas is gorillas like no like that's about the animation like um and then like broken bells he again is a part of the image you know but then yeah black keys he's not he's a producer you know Mm -hmm. he kind of shifts between these collaborations where he's part of like the face of the music and then just being like behind the scenes producer right but still Sometimes having a heavy hand in the music, just as even as a producer. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. he's definitely like a crossover. Yeah. He's a producer, musician crossover. Yeah. Like he's definitely both. Like he's an artist. You know, we have to yeah. call him an artist. Yeah. Um, you know, it's more specific than producing or just being a musician. Like he's he actively has his artistic hands in both sides of the project. Right. So you know, he's doing a lot of good work. Yeah. From musicianship. You know, music theory, playing different instruments. Yeah. I think he plays guitar. I think he plays keys. Bit of everything, I think. Uh, like, drums. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, exactly. So he's doing, he just, he's a juggernaut of he's a t- producer. I think he's at times called himself not a musician, but... Money, um, money. But he is. And I think over the years, this is the interesting thing about his career, is he he has openly said that he's he's learning on the job kind of thing. Right. Like he's... Doing all of these projects, he's learning and getting better. And especially the Gorillaz uh, album, he said that working with Damon, like he said he's learned more f- from working with Damon than anyone else, like musically, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Because you don't hear much about how Damon album works. You hear, I've seen like some clips of him in the studio, he's getting like angry at someone. <laughs> I've seen him, uh, but you, you know, but we know he's like prolific, but we don't see here too much. He, about he's him. another mysterious, yeah, juggernaut producer. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Brian's like, you know, he said Damon can be very critical and harsh, like with his feedback, 
but also um he said he's never had an argument with damon about music hmm. right um so they got on really well and he said he learned so much about song structure and like yeah like i think because you know uh, brian was coming from all that sample bass background can't read or write music he's completely self-taught he's trying to like figure out all this stuff and he learned a lot from damon about song structure and all those sort of ticks tricks and techniques that you can use to pull things together kind of thing yeah so, i think yeah. as he's working with these these artists who he's never worked with like you said he's learning from them on the spot yeah yeah but he he, he made sure to say in these interviews like he didn't he wants to like have artistic creative creative like abilities and make changes and add to this project yeah have his kind of you know artistic abilities put into this um but at the same time he's worried and he doesn't like want to ruin what this artist has mm -hmm. like if he goes to work with the shins he said like why like the shins are already they're going like i'm a fan of the shins is it should i should i get into this project and put my stuff all over it right. is that gonna ruin the project yeah because this guy also says like he doesn't know what he's doing on the next project like yeah um and i don't know let's talk about broken bells yeah, yeah. we're about there in the narrative we're about the 2010 oh, we gotta play time. some music as well because i think we've been talking a lot really. no yeah <laughs> let's play a track yeah. off um broken bells okay the um, high road or i think that's the only one we have on our list and it is yeah. you know quote unquote the best okay it's a great track um this is brian burton and james mercer of the shins in their band broken bells Jesse, tell me about <laughs> Broken Bells. Uh, so I love that track. That's the high road, like Jay said. Um, I, just, I just wanted to say real quick, I like that track because the production value, James Mercer has great lyrics and mel melodic abilities. Mm. And then Danger Mice. M M Danger Mice. Danger Mice. Mice. <laughs> Is that his band? Yeah, his, yeah. When, his kids, when he has kids, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so Broken Bells. Yeah. Uh, I think... We're talking about like 2010, this album came out mm -hmm. and Brian Burton and James Mercer formed this band, Broken Bells. I think they were both looking for different project to work on. Mm -hmm. I think Brian was kind of, I don't know, he was, they were both feeling the same thing, him and Jim, him and James. They were both like, they wanted something different or new or novel. They wanted to get away from what they were working on. Yeah. Like maybe their careers were feeling stagnant when they're just like, oh, make an album, do the cycle tour do it again mm -hmm. for whatever reason they were feeling like a little bit bored or they wanted something new yeah. and they had met up i'm not sure how they met or exactly what happened um because at the same time they were also working on dark night of the soul which james mercer is also on oh, okay 
So right. for whatever reason, they came into contact and met each other and decided to form a band. Yeah. And they came out with this record, self-titled Broken Bells in 2010. And it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I discovered... That's how I kind of like came into knowing who Danger Mouse was. Oh, really? Yeah. Not even Gorillaz or, well, or Niles Barkley? I mean, in hindsight, in hindsight, I was like, oh. Okay. I was one of the people who was like, oh, I don't know. Danger Mouse was on this track, this track, and this track. Right. Yeah. Um, and some of this came up in this research today. But like yeah. when I knew Bro- Broken Bells, it was just, oh, I looked it up. James Mercer, I knew it was him because the shins, and I love the shins. And like Brian Burton, okay, some random dude. It, <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah. But I didn't at that point. I didn't know who Danger Mouse was, right? Or okay. who Brian Burton was. Yeah, yeah. I think this is sort of like a pivotal, one of the pivotal moments, maybe for Danger Mouse mm-hmm. in his career, because yeah, like you were saying, they both wanted to do something different. Um, James Mercer of the Shins and Brian when they decided to do Broken Bells, and it was uh, uh, Brian uh, said that he'd done a lot of production work at that point. You know. Uh, I think Niles Barkley was like the last sort of true collaboration. Mm-hmm. And then since then, it was a lot of production work for different people and artists. And um, and he said he wanted to be a little bit more hands-on he, with, with the music again because he was starting to play more instruments, he said. And and then meanwhile, James, uh, yeah, I think he just got off a big tour with the Shins or whatever. I think he literally told the band members, like, mm-hmm. be prepared to go on a hiatus for like a year and a half because yeah, just... I want to do something else, yeah. Yeah, they just got off the Wincing the Night Away tour, I believe. Okay, yeah. Which is also a good album. I love all the shins. Go okay. check them out. I'll check them out, yeah. For sure. We'll talk about them yeah. one day. And then, yeah, so they just basically collaborated, like, yeah, writing they, together. Yeah, like Exactly. They went into the studio, yeah. Brian's studio in, I think, LA. Right. And they didn't bring any songs in, yeah. like, consciously. Um, they just started from scratch. Yeah, right? yeah, walk into the room with no ideas. That's and cool. They yeah. just had a kind of a playful attitude. They... Um, Brian Burton has a, a bunch of instruments and stuff, you know, yeah. old keyboards, right. just wacky kind of yeah instruments, <laughs> silly, you know, even like childlike keyboards and stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, that you can consider a toy. Mm-hmm. And so they just went in this with this really chill, create this chill, fun environment, and let's create some songs from purely scratch, the two of us in this room together. Yeah, and that that album is what came out. Yeah, um, so it's very good. I think it's really high quality. Yeah. And I suggest you listen to it. So then they, they came out with another album after the disco a couple of years later. Mm. Did another cycle for that. It's also, it's, I don't know if it's as good, but it's, it's got some very, very good moments. Mm-hmm. It's probably just a little bit not as good as the first album, Broken Bells. Okay. But it's very good. I, I, don't, I don't, even, don't even take that. Take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but then I wanted to touch on this new album that we just got word of while we're talking about Broken Bells. We got a new album coming out. Hot Take is called Into the Blue. What do you know about it, Jay? Uh, nothing. We don't well, know. Nobody does. We, we know the title, maybe, but we don't know when it's coming out. It doesn't have a release date yet. Just so not even the next year or think, any tentative uh, dates? Actually, no, I think I saw it was scheduled for somewhere soon. So okay, like 2023? Right. Uh, no, hang on. Say, say something interesting and I'll look this okay. up. Well, I, <laughs> I suggest everybody listen to Broken Bells, first album, second album. And also the shins, um, and then I'll kind of transition what we're talking about to this this next album that I really want to talk about is Rome, which is an album written by Danger Mouse and an mm-hmm. Italian composer, Danielle Lupi. Yeah, I think I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but that's 
just another very good album featuring different um, artists right. collaborating with each other. I found nothing on the release of the Broken Worlds album. Oh, so nothing. But good, good research, Jay. Thanks for that. But I also need to fact check myself I'm just, from, I'm yeah, from the Electric Guest episode because we played a track from Electric Guest and I said it sounded really like the same to like a Broken Bells track. And you were like, oh, really? Well, that which <laughs> and, I, and then I realized in my research, I was completely wrong. It wasn't a Broken Bells track. It was uh, a Daniel Lupi and Danger Mouse track oh, okay. with Nora Jones. Oh, okay. Because I was talking about Nora and you were like, Broken Bells and Nora Jones? I don't think so. And I was uh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. I was he, adamant. <laughs> he, he knows something I don't. <laughs> so, well, thank I you got, for bringing I that up. I got that wrong. Yeah, because... That's the thing. He does so many different collaborations. I get confused. Between no, but hundred percent. And, and yeah. like through doing this research, being so close with it, me and Jay, at least I think I'm, I can speak for myself, but you can see how easy it is to get yeah. um, discombobulated with what you're talking about because a lot of his music does sound similar. Well, that's the weird thing I thought about that track we played, The High Road from Broken Bells. It sounded like it could have been a Gorillaz track, mm -hmm. which to me is like, I thought Damon Alban had his stamp on Gorillaz, but that right. just shows me how much of a stamp that Danger Mouse right. had on, on the sound of that it, album. Like, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And so you could, just some of these have the same quality as far as the production, like the EQing, like the warm sound of the drums, like we see a lot. And so you can, you can kind of pick it up and it's like, instead of, you know, we're conflating it, but like sometimes we just hear that Danger Mouse and we think it's from one album, but it was Danger Mouse from another album. Right. You know, so it's, yeah, yeah. everything's Danger Mouse. Yeah. I'm scared now. I think every album out there has Danger Mouse on it somewhere. <laughs> Probably. We're in danger of, I think we might have a mice infestation yeah. in this podcast. Danger Mice. Um, Should we play this track? We got a track off of Rome. What are you going to play, Jay? Black featuring Nora Jones. the walls of a city streets and didn't explain sadly showed us our ways I've never asked why really great track black featuring Nora Jones off the album Rome by Danger Mouse and Daniel UP that is the track um, that uh, I was thinking of when I was listening to that Electric Guest track. I There's the name of a lot of similarities between was, yeah. Broken Bells, <clears throat> Electric Guest, and yeah. it's it's Danger Mouse. It's the, he, I think it's the Danger Mouse. He's, he's the glue. Yeah, yeah. And he's producing these things that sound, you know, not too dissimilar. They they have their own things. Like this album does not. It doesn't, it's not like listening to the same Broken Bells album. It's got its own life, you know? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's some similarities, but it's a very different album. Um, yeah. And it, this one's kind of based on like, like Italian cinema, I think, kind of movies. Yeah. Like the thematic, you hear the strings in there. And, and they did actually record a lot of this in Rome. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel Lupi's, uh, he's Italian, this guy, by the way. And he's also a 
crazy great musician. He has some solo stuff out there. His albums are really good. I after I discovered this album Rome, I went and looked at Daniel Lupi's mm-hmm. back catalogue, and he's got some really good tracks out there. He's all like it's like old school Italian funk, like mm-hmm. recorded on tape, like reel to reel. And they recorded all this album on tape as well. And Danger Mouse said he'd never had, ex- had any experience with that, so Daniel Lupi was manning the tape machines and gotcha. sh- showing him all that sort of stuff. Good stuff. Um, apparently, there's some like musicians on this album that are like like in their seventies and eighties. I don't know if this is like the orchestra stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. um, they said they were trying to focus a lot of their time on getting great performances from, from these musicians nice. v- versus enjoying they Rome. Stay awake. Yeah, versus enjoying Rome. Although Danger Brand did say that uh, he enjoyed a lot of food when he was in Rome. It's just like making music and eating food. When in Rome. Exactly. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> also, Beatles connection. Do you know who uh, Nora Jones's uh, father is? No. Brian Jones? No. Ravi Shankar. Oh. Yeah. What? what? The, it's that's famous sitar player. That's Nora Jones' dad? That's her dad. Uh, Ravi Shankar did an album with George Harrison. Yeah, I've heard so, yeah. of Ravi, but I did yeah. not know that connection to Nora Jones. Yeah, uh, she has a brother as well, I think, half-brother that's also a sitar player. Yeah, that's why when she first hit the scene, I think with her debut solo album in the UK, that was kind of what they were saying, like for the PR marketing things to like get you to know her. They were like, her dad is like Ravi Shankar. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. But over the years, that fact has been lost because she's gone on and had a crazy, massive 20-year career. So, like, Right. <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. like she had a good start. Yeah, yeah. A couple good connections. Yeah, certainly, yeah. <laughs> well, I think she was, she had a rocky relationship with him. Mm-hmm. It was estranged for a while as well. So. Well, it seems like so. their names aren't the same. It seems yeah. like there's some disconnect there. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, more power to them. Hope yeah. everyone's good out there. Let's move on. This is what I mostly want to talk about, The Dark Knight of the Soul. Mm. This is about the same time period. I think this came out in 2010. But I think it was being made in 2009. And I think there was a little bit of an issue with this getting out for, I don't know if it was samples or some kind of issues with the label getting it put out. But it was eventually released in 2010. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, so this this is kind of, I don't know. This is a great album. This is almost, it's like a masterpiece type feel for me. Interesting. I know of this. For, I know I've listened to I, maybe all of it or some of it, but I feel like I, it's been a long time. I don't right. Know. Yeah. If you haven't, I, I, mm-hmm. I would, this is something that I would get on like vinyl. Mm. Um, it's just a really great project. It's really, um, I mean, it's just very dynamic. All the songs yeah. are filled with these different characteristics that feel very different, but when you listen uh, to it all the all the all the way through, it's very cohesive. Gruff Gruff Reese is on this as well. He, Everybody's on this. Do you know him? He was in Super Fairy Animals. Do you know them? No. The I think they're a Welsh band. They're pretty big in the UK. And but Gruff Reese, we should do an episode on him actually because he he's kind of like in the Jim James realm of music. Mm-hmm. I feel like sonically. Um, I was surprised to see him on this album. I didn't know he was Yeah, there. no, um, yeah. Wayne Coyne from The Shins is on here, James mm. Mercer, or I mean Wayne Coyne from Flaming Lips. Julian Casablancas. Julian Casablancas <laughs> is on here from The Strokes. Ziggy Pop. 
Susan uh, Vega. Dave, Suzanne. David Suzanne. Lynch. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. You already said Iggy Pop, Black Francis from the Pixies. Yeah. Um, Who else? Nina Cardigan from the Cardigans. Nina Person from the Cardigans. Uh, mm. Scott Spillane of Neutral Milk Hotel. Right. So, I mean, yeah, every song has like a different feature from a notor- not- notable artist. Damn. Um, so it's like a, it's just, it's packed. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to play a song off this, but on our list, I did put that song called Little Girl by um, Danger Mouse. Yeah. And um, additionally, Sparkle Horse, who contributed a lot to this album, and we'll touch on that. Um, do, do we want to play a, ch- a song off this or not? Nah? Uh, yeah. Do we want to... Um yeah, I should play it now. So the first song we opened up this podcast with was the first track off Dark Night of the Soul. And we're about to play, I think it's the fourth track called Little Girl, where Julian Casablancas of The Strokes did vocals and the guitar solo. And then Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse mostly took care of the rest, I think. Okay. So there was, yeah. there was a legal dispute with EMI over this record. Really? Um, yeah, so I don't know. They don't spe- specify. I couldn't find that anywhere, but it was some kind of legal dispute. I'm not sure if it was because of the features from different artists all on the same album or what it was, but EMI did, they acknowledge it and they had a memo to Danger Mouse or they released a statement. Here it is. Danger Mouse is a brilliant, talented artist for whom we have enormous respect. We continue to make every effort to resolve the situation, and we are talking to Brian Burton, Danger Mouse, directly. Meanwhile, we need to reserve our rights. So, I don't know. It took a while for it to get out. About this out? That's mm-hmm. weird. Why? What I said, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, Do they have a personal vendetta because of the Beatles thing? Something? I, no, I have no idea. But um, um, So, there was a, a book released by David Lynch, which was like a picture... Um, a, a f- photography book, what do you call it? A book of photos yeah. that went alongside as a visual for this music, for Dark Night of the Soul. Mm, cool. The album. But there was this legal dispute and they, didn't, they weren't re- able to release the music with the book at the same time like they wanted as a, big, as a package. You know, if you ordered this album, you'd get the music, you'd get the book, right. the visuals, and it's a whole package deal. Yeah. They couldn't do it. So for legal reasons, Brian Burton... He enclosed uh, CDR, which was completely blank, mm-hmm. but it was ready to be written on, but enclosed in a, in a thing and sent out with the book, with the pictures and everything. And it, uh, it, said, it said, for legal reasons, enclosed CDR contains no music. Use it as you will. <laughs> and they just released that. And then eventually, before the music was legally released, it got leaked to the internet. Right. So just more crazy stuff going on with releases with Brian Burton and, and Danger Mouse and his music. That's weird. Um, but eventually this album came out and it's very good. It's, uh, yeah. it's high quality. It's very good production. A lot of really cool, good artists. Yeah. And I, I, that, that song we just listened to, Little Girl, it's a great track. 
Um, and there's just more really good creative stuff on that album. Yeah, I think um, I definitely came across this. And I want to say, let me see, was it because <clears throat> David Lynch? Because he came out with an album. I don't think it had to do with David Lynch. I think it was a Danger Mouse thing with like distribution because he was signed with Lex Records. Right. So there was just some issue with who was releasing it or who was publishing it or something. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. No, I was like, I was, um, no, I was talking about um, how I discovered this album myself, I think. But I think in a weird roundabout way, I think it was might have been because of David Lynch. Oh, really? Because uh, he came out of an album. He, he makes music himself. And he this one album, I can't remember the name of the title, but it like one of the tracks on there was Crazy Clown Time. And <laughs> this is just really dark, weird shit, but it's really kind of cool. And um, I think I was like, what else is he featured on? What's this? Dark Knight of the Soul? Like, yeah. You know how you can click around and see oh, yeah. artists that are featured on stuff like that. Yeah. I gotta go back and spin this album again. Dark Knight of the Soul, really good. I def yeah. definitely recommend yeah. it. It's up there with my favorite stuff that I know. You know, Danger Mouse is on. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about Dark Knight of the Soul was uh, mentioning Sparkle Horse. Yeah, who is his own, you know, person and his own artist. This guy, his name is Linkus, I think. Okay. Um, Mark Linkus. So this is like basically one of the last things that he did. Because in 2010, March 6th, he died by suicide in Tennessee. Oh, right. And okay. so it's just kind of a tragic thing because oh. he's fully on this album and he helped out a lot with it. But it was, for, I don't know the story, but he obviously had stuff going on, hmm. some sort of, you know, illness or something that wasn't making him happy. Yeah. And he died by suicide, unfortunately. So it's just kind of a really tragic thing. Damn. Yeah. But I'm really glad that he was able to make it onto this last album. Yeah. Um, I think he was a close like contributor or whatever you, what do you call it? A close confidant with Danger Mouse, with Brian Burton. Right. Um, and, and some people have speculated that Brian Burton's production value has, has gotten worse since Mark Linkus's death. Really? And um, yeah, and I don't know, there's, mm. you know, what has he come out with that's just as great as, you know, Demon Days, mm -hmm. you know, or Dark Knight of the Soul or mm -hmm. Rome. Yeah. It seems like most of his great output was before that. And yeah. I'm, I don't want to speak to that because not that like, like I know. I was just reading about this in interviews and based off what people were saying. That, and that's even you know, anecdotal speculation. Mm. But I, I just want to touch on that. And, but rest in peace to Mark Linkus. Right. Sparkle Horse. Yeah. I mean, after that um, album, there was another Broken Bells album. Well, hundred percent. But even people Rogue say Rogue. after the disco isn't isn't as good as Broken Bell's self title. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, like, it's, people people are saying that his he he can still produce and he's still Danger Mouse. Yeah. But some some people have speculated that that magic yeah. isn't quite what it was. Mm. And I haven't heard it yet, but um, <clears throat> he did an album with Karen O from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs as well. Mm -hmm. Brian Burton. Lux Prima, I haven't heard it. Though. Oh, that's right. I didn't listen yeah. to that one either, but I, yeah. I, I read that, yeah. That was 2019. Um, yeah, that's sort of like where he's at now. I did want to sort of bring up, though, the Red Hot Chili Peppers album. <laughs> we, we glossed over that, though. Dark. We're back in... Um, oh, sorry, The Getaway. Um, that's like 2014 or so? 
2016 it has it here. 16. Um, yeah, so if people don't know, we're big fans of Red Hot Chili Peppers here. We talked about them. I saw them play this year, which is great, with John Fuscanti. I saw them three years, four years ago. There you go. Um, and as a fan, there are like maybe more than two. You never saw them with Josh Klinghoffer, though. No, so, I didn't really uh, want to. Sorry. Uh, I'm sure that's what you would say. Of can, can Josh Klinghoffer actually play guitar? No, sorry. <laughs> just barely. Just... I think just, he was phoning it in. I'm not even sure what he was doing. He was, no, sorry. Just, I'm just like, I'm not... <laughs> but he's good. Josh is great. Actually, Josh Klinghoffer did do an electronic album with John Friscanza mm-hmm. years ago, which yeah. is really good. Experimental, crazy shit. I listened to that. It's, it yeah, is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's sort of like two albums, I think, that... They never, like, you know, because they had their original guitarist that passed away years and years and years, Hillel. decades ago. Yeah, Hillel, decades ago. And then John Friscanti has been with them since, apart from two times where he left. I think there was another one, like Dave Navarro or somebody. I think so Dave, one, one. No, well, D- that was after John Friscanti left the first time. Oh, and then Dave came? Dave Navarro came oh. in. And they did an album called... Uh, blood sugar no what was it called Red, one hot minute or something Red yeah hot minute. Um, one hot minute one hot minute and then john friscati came back did a bunch of albums he left again then george came in so basically like if you see them play live now they never play anything off of these two albums mm-hmm. right and also so the getaway but like i want to jump okay. off that because i know they were saying i just i don't know i saw it just very recently i can't remember though it just popped in when you said that but mm-hmm. Josh Klinghoffer wanted to play songs like Aeroplane yeah. that the Chili Peppers stopped playing because John Fushanti never felt good with that album. Right. He never felt like attached to it. But tried, yeah. I but mean, then like Josh I said, I don't that. care. Yeah, I actually really like that album. Like, it's good. Yeah, it's funky. Yeah, yeah. I um, saw them play live with Dave Noraro. That was my first ever show I went to. I think I probably oh, nice. said this before in London, Wembley Arena. I think we ended up talking about Chili Peppers every episode <laughs> at some point. <laughs> But now it makes sense because we're talking about a producer of their not most recent album, but their album before. Yeah. And uh, I haven't really, like, I think it's kind of probably like a standalone album that you, that I think a lot of like Chili Peppers fans might not really be into because it's historically like Chili Peppers have a certain sound and production to all of their albums and this one and they've always used the same producer rick rubin yeah and this one uh new guitarist and new producer and it it was a bit of a mess for me it feels like because it seemed a little bit like oh these old guys now trying to like be hip Mm -hmm. like that i know that wasn't (laughs) like the intention or anything like that but yeah in a certain way it comes off a little bit like that you know, we've got this hip and young producer, a new guitarist to put, you know, put some fat beats and Jay Peppers things, you know. Yeah. That's what it seemed like a little bit because like the production quality of the drums is very Danger Mouse, which I normally love on all of his stuff. But I'm not sure if it quite worked in this like album, Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Getaway. Like, some of it feels yeah. a little weird knowing that Chad Smith is playing those drums and yeah. the drums sound like tiny. Yeah, like his snare drum is like, it sounds Dead. tinny and yeah, on this album. cardboardy. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not hating on Danger Mouse because the songs, they're great quality. Like when yeah. you look at it objectively, yeah. it's a well produced track and it sounds good. It's a good song. Yeah. You know, 
talking about like the getaway or whatever anything off of that album oh yeah like the track uh i picked out dark necessities i thought was oh yeah, yeah. it's good it's a good track like i like it most but, chili um, pepper fans wouldn't say oh this is the masterpiece no. of the chili peppers but it, a fan of music would say oh it's a decent song yeah yeah and um but i think it's a weird album because like i don't think they're ever gonna i don't know if john frisconti is gonna want to play any of these songs like i feel like it. he probably wouldn't either exactly yeah but okay. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, no, it so, is very so. interesting. Yeah. Um, and then since Chili Peppers have gone back to Rick Rubin. Yeah. For their latest album. So whatever that tells you guys. And the and with John Frusciante back in that latest album is like it's, like, it's like they never left. It's their back. It's like Stadium Arcadium, which is like how old, like, didn't was, realize how long ago it was like 20 years no. that was like 2006 or something too Jesus, yeah yeah so but they're back and they're good and so i felt like it was kind of cool for them to I, it just seemed weird a weird matchup though danger mouse to be doing this with them it didn't seem even when i heard it before i heard any music i was like really that doesn't it seems weird for chili peppers to go that route but it seems yeah. like a great opportunity for danger mouse to yeah. put his you know and that's yeah the other thing to say about um danger mouse is like He's really prolific as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a few things about this. Like, uh, one, he really uh, appreciates or prefers artists that are prolific. He mm -hmm. likes artists that make a lot of work. True. He was also asked, like, why doesn't he take a break? And he was like, well, because I keep getting these opportunities to work with people and I don't want to say no. Like, he said, with given a choice between taking a break or working with someone and this opportunity, he'll always go work with someone... I feel like, yeah, Chili Peppers. Who's gonna? I mean, would you turn that down if you were like, "Hey, Jesse, do you wanna yeah produce the new Chili Peppers album?" <laughs> You'd be like, "I have no idea how to do that," but yeah, well, I was gonna go to Hawaii for two weeks. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I'm busy. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, we're, no, Brian Burton, Danger Mouse. Yeah, just just a rock star producer. Yeah, a testament to his abilities, being able to work with and kill it with somebody like Nora Jones. And then boom, kill it with somebody like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like he's all yeah. over the place as far as music genre. You know, he's really like learning yeah. and like putting his his stamp on everything, like really trying new things for himself with other bands and stuff. I don't know. I mean, he's just really good. He's all over the place. I feel like we've we've done him justice and, and I think so, yeah. Um and I think what else was I gonna say? I feel like uh, on this episode it's been a marathon episode because I feel like I've researched 10 different artists as opposed to one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, by the way, I apologize. I'll speak for myself because we were jumping around a little bit. It's really hard to fit all of this, me this message that we're trying to portray yeah. about this artist who's worked with so many people. He doesn't have a very steady, simple um, history. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's all over the place. So hopefully this episode didn't feel like it was completely all over the place. Mm -hmm. We tried to still kind of do a narrative mm -hmm. chronological style. So hopefully everyone was enjoyed this episode because this was a pretty big one. And I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, me too. I learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, what do we want to play out on though? We didn't have one ready? Um, no, we sort of, we skipped over our order. Uh, we have though a few options. If you want to hear them, bring them up. Uh, the only one from the album Ghetto Pop Life, Sent Elsewhere from Niles Barkley's Sent Elsewhere, 
Gamma Ray from Beck's album Modern Guilt. Yeah, I say we do Beck. Beck. Okay, that's that's what it is. Right. It just sounds good to me. Yeah, this guy worked with Beck too. Beck's yeah. great. I'm always yeah. down for Beck. Yeah, I, I like I like his stuff yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope we did this guy justice. I'm trying to think of last minute things to say right now, but I'm just really impressed by Danger Mouse. I think the only thing I wrote down that I didn't say, but I think you might have sort of touched on it about the movie stuff. Oh yeah. Um, is that he got into music because he wanted to be a filmmaker but it was too expensive mm -hmm. to get into so he went into music instead and so he approaches music from a cinematic lens and i think you kind of already talked a little bit about sort of the mm -hmm. auteur side of it sort of thing but but it was interesting to me that he he also said about that that you can sometimes he'll write a story you know um and then try to bring that alive with the music right and so he's always thinking very visually um right with the music he creates which is really cool and something yeah I, a takeaway another key takeaway that i i might still borrow in my own stuff please so, do yeah you you have my stamp of approval <laughs> but yeah i hope everyone learned something from brian burton i think there's a lot to learn from him go listen to demon days go listen to portugal the man listen to beck yeah gnarles barkley CeeLo green uh this guy's everywhere in the last two decades and I don't know. We're, I think we're going to see a lot more. I'm really excited for the new Broken Bells episode. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, <laughs> maybe we should have an episode, episode. but I'm, the, the new uh, album, they're album. tentatively yeah. coming out with it. Yeah. So, we, so we hear. Maybe we do a Shins episode. Are they too big to do an episode? They'd or? be a good one to talk about. I okay. All right. I don't know if a lot of people know, know this. I don't know too much about them. They'd be I've a been, really good one. Though. I've been thinking about this. And if, by the way, if the listeners have suggestions, we'll give the email out in a little bit. Yeah. And the uh, comments as well. But I've been thinking about... Um, some bands that are big that i don't really know anything about like the pixies for example mm -hmm. smashing pumpkins for example i don't know if it's worth see what people the people think or what you think like, yeah, but uh, let us know if you guys got yeah. ideas because we're still trying to pump up our and figure out organize our format if you guys are like we don't like this we don't like that let us yeah. know because yeah. we want to make it better for you guys yeah. and we're trying to make this the most valuable thing for all of us including myself and jay so we really appreciate you guys being here but if you guys have any of those um tidbits to let us know that'd be super helpful and you could hit us up at the email jay roots to grooves at signalradio.com s-i-g-n-l radio.com thank you is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com. <laughs>